0: Welcome to Çetin Kea On Air, a series of discussions about topical legal issues hosted by Çetin Kea. We're a full-service law firm based in Istanbul, serving local and international clients. With decades of experience, we provide bespoke legal and compliance advice to law firms, businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and families. Hello and welcome to Chetinkaya Podcasts. I'm here with Altug Ozgun, uh, who is going to be talking to us today about risk management and in particular, third-party risk management. How how are you doing, Altug?
1: Fine, Kevin. It's good to be with you again. I'm really excited to talk about, you know, a very fragile and important topic uh, for all companies, not only multinationals, but for also local companies, which is about third-party risk management today. Excellent.
0: So I I suppose a good place to start is looking at what are third parties?
1: Yeah, that's a good question because when we mention about third-party risks, uh, there can be some misunderstandings. So in the commercial life, a third-party resource means uh, mostly about service providers and suppliers. So when we are defining this, we are saying that there is a company who products a product, And there is the customer and all the others are deemed as the third parties who are helping the main company to sell or to meet with their company objectives. So it means that the customer is in the second party or the buyer or the employee sometimes referred to as the second party, but all the agents, vendors, distributors who are acting on behalf of the company in an independent way to sell or promote or with the comp- meet with the company objectives can be deemed as third parties. So let's say that legal financial consultants as mm-hmm. are third parties for uh, companies, uh, custom brokerage firms, uh, lobbyists, uh, regulatory consultants, strategic advisors are all deemed as third parties uh, in international commerce and international uh, law regulations. Excellent. And, um, and you know, Why is it important for risk management? Because when you consider the amount of the interactions uh, in commercial life, most of the companies find it easy to work with third parties when they are actually entering into a new market, into a new jurisdiction. Say you incorporate a firm in the United States and you want to deliver your products to the rest of the world, uh, you need to work with distributors uh, in those countries. So, it's important for strategic risk uh, management uh, purposes because risk can arise from adverse uh, business decisions or failure to implement appropriate business decisions to meet with a strategic goals. Uh, the second one is reputational risk. You know, the third parties you are working with actually reflects the uh, reputation that you want to give to the mm-hmm. outside world. So, uh, risk arising from a negative uh, public opinion can actually harm the reputation of the companies uh, who are working with third-parties. Not only that, but also operational risks are there. So, risk uh, of loss resulting from failed internal processes, people and system processes from third-parties can also have some operational consequences. We have also transactional risks to problems with service or product delivery especially when you consider that uh, you are running a company and you need vendors to meet uh, with the clients or customers, the transaction is risk is there. But today we will gonna mostly talk about compliance risks. So when we mention about compliance, you know we always mention about it's going beyond the law. So it covers both risks of violations of laws, rules, regulations... Uh, or with extraterritorial uh, regulations, which the company are bound with. So these risks actually exist when the third party you are working with for the products or activities to give a a service uh, to the company are not consistent with governing rules or regulations or policies and international ethical standards. That's why we are mentioning all of these risks and During our discussion, we will mostly going to talk about, again, anti-bribery and anti-corruption risks, but a a new emerging risk is information security risks. And uh, I think you also covered this with uh, my colleague Bentley about data privacy issues. But it's going bigger and bigger because risk arising from unauthorized access, disclosure, disruption, modification inspection or destruction of information can also arise from third parties and we are seeing more and more in uh, data privacy compliance programs third party risk management uh, matter is really arising and people working in the higher management of the organizations or people who are running the compliance programs need to be also aware of information security risks as well along with compliance and other risks that i mentioned Excellent. And are you sort of speaking often to to companies about sort of third-party sort of risks? Yep. Uh, The awareness is still not there about, you know, uh, third-party risk management process because it's a life cycle management. Uh, uh, We are calling it compliance from design. It's not only regarding the existing third parties, but you should have policies and procedures in place when you are actually engaging firstly, and onboarding third parties, processing with the third parties, and also terminating the relationship with third parties. We should be aware of the consequences and compliance risks there, because from a company perspective, I didn't know that third party was doing this argument is no longer valid. So you are legally bound with uh, third parties' activities, who are working on behalf of you, who are helping your services and products to meet with the clients. So the regulatory authorities actually expect you to be aware of these risks and also manage that. And from my experience as an in-house counsel for more than 15 years, I always find third-party risks and emerging and really important topic and is becoming more and more important, especially for multinationals working in emerging markets as well. Because... We can consider Turkey as an emerging market. Uh, But even the term third party uh, is not familiar with so many vendors or distributors working here. We need to actually, if we mention about designing an effective compliance program, we cannot forget third party risk management. Excellent.
0: And, um, you know, third party risk management, you know, seems to be something that is more sort of more of a thing in the US, UK, Germany, and so Mm -hmm. on. But, you know, does Turkish law, you know, have any specific guidelines? And uh, is there anything we can learn from uh, what other jurisdictions are doing?
1: Actually, we have so many uh, legislations globally who are designing third party risks and who are actually putting an obligation through uh, the companies who are working with third parties, such as due diligence and contractual steps as well. In Turkish law, we cannot say that we have an uh, effective compliance program requirements for companies, uh, but it's uh, also seen as a, a best practice here. And in our um, data privacy law, which uh, entered into effect in 2016, there is also a definition of third parties as data processors who are acting on behalf of data controllers. So data processors actually are uh, liable for doing data processing activities on behalf of data controllers, and vice versa. Data controllers are also liable of the data processor activities. So this this is an Example And when we look at the labor law and code of obligations, we are seeing that in labor contracts, we cannot call employees as third parties, but a similar approach is there. So uh, a company is liable from uh, its employees' activities. And you, know, you need to... The burden of proof uh, that the risk mitigation was, uh, was actually existing lies uh, within the employer. Uh, when there is a misconduct or unethical practices happened. But uh, from a compliance perspective, as we discussed before in our previous podcast, we cannot say that we have extraterritorial and effective um, uh, regulations in place to fight with corruption, to fight with anti-bribery. But we are getting there because we have good examples in United States and uh, UK about uh, FCPA or UK Bribery Act. So especially when we are designing a compliance program, it's good to have the guidelines from these extraterritorial laws from the Department of Justice in the United States issued a recent guideline on what actually an effective compliance program looks like. and. There are some important questions to be asked before entering into a relationship to a third party. Like, do we really need that third party in place? This is one question. And how is the risk-based and integrated process actually happen with the companies? Uh, So, uh, how has the company's third party management process is actually designed? So... Is there a process be being integrated to the relevant procurement or vendor management processes? Is there a department who is uh, actually running out all these transactions, all this relationship with third parties? So, this is really important. And we are always underlining the importance of proactive risk management. So, a company uh, needs to be aware of the third party risks and needs to de- design. Uh, this risk-based integrated process upfront. So if we move on from a comparison through FCPA or UK Bribery Act, we should also mention about appropriate controls with third parties. So it's important to ask how the company ensures there is an appropriate business rationale to use third parties. So <laughs> if the third parties were involved in a misconduct, what was the business rationale to use that third parties? Especially the third parties who have access to transactions with government officials. So this is a red flag for us. So we need to first classify the third parties according to the services or products that they deliver and according to uh, which bodies that they interact. So a third party like a lobbyist who is constantly uh, working with a government official should be categorized more high risk than a simple cleaning vendor third party. So as you can imagine, so most of the multinationals use uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of third parties. So the regulatory authorities actually ask the company to make a tailor-made risk assessment okay. upon the third parties. So then you can actually apply some due diligence and contractual principles according to the classification that you made, like high risk, medium risk, and low risk third parties. So this is an approach. But not only that, so management of relationship is really important in third parties. So how has the company considered and analyzed the compensation and incentive structures for third parties? Because... Nowadays, especially for anti-bribery and anti-corruption, the multinational companies or big corporations, when they want to bribe a government official, they actually use third parties. So they they don't want to dirty their hands. (laughs) 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 We can say that they uh, make this relationship with the third parties and sometimes they force third parties for these unethical practices. Uh, Because at one side, there is a simple vendor, maybe who wants to keep the contract or keep the main company's business as a client. And at the same time, there's a big corporation there who just wants to keep their hands clean. And uh, maybe some commissions are paid, some consultation payments are made, but actually they are made uh, for unethical practices. And uh, we often see that companies sometimes force third parties for these unethical principles. But... As we talked before, you know, compliance always uh, pays in the long term and unethical practices always being found. So in uh, anti-bribery, and anti-corruption investigations, we are seeing sometimes that the, the third parties are forced to do these unethical practices again. But when you consider that you are working for a multinational and you are working in a sea-level multinational, you cannot always control the third parties in in the corners of the world. And sometimes third parties can act unethically by their discretion. And uh, to avoid that, you need to have a good third-party relationship, risk management program. So that's why we come here and we advise uh, our clients to build this relationship even before the contractual process. Uh, to have policies in place, to have due diligence questionnaires in place, to assess third parties before entering in the contract and assess with a detailed due diligence pack. And it's not only assessing the companies, but also shareholders, directors, or uh, the history of the company. So, Uh, When we are doing these due diligence reports on behalf of our clients, we usually point out red flags, you know, according to the study that we done either physically or through the documents which are publicly available or through the documents which the third party submitted to us. We are asking questions, you know, in order to protect our clients because the regulatory authority says that you need to be aware who you are working with because you are legally bound with this third parties' activities. So this is as simple as that, but the process is not as simple as it said, so it, there needs to be a, a real effective systematic process when we are talking about third parties' management.
0: Yeah, it sounds like there's a, a lot of unknowns out there, and, yep. uh, and there's some things you just can't account for. You I mean, you don't know what a, th- a third party is going to do, and you can't control what everyone does. So it sounds like a really murky world. And I, I suppose for any sort of company... That might be listening to this podcast. Um, wh- when you give advice as a practitioner, um, you'll be sort of giving them some some sort of roadmap to ensure that that, that there's good compliance with third-party risk management. Give us an insight into that
1: so that, you know, people can maybe see see what you do as a practitioner. Yeah, from my experience as an in-house counsel, and I always represented multinationals in, in healthcare, so we always face uh, inevitably working with third parties. And it's a part of the business, you know. We are not business stoppers here as legal and compliance consultants, but we need to be aware of the risks. And we need to actually... Manage the risks. So, I would like to mention about some common red flags, maybe which can enlighten our listeners okay. about when they are working with third parties. Like when there's excessive commission paid to a third party agent or consultant, you know, apart from uh, normal life, excessive commissions, this, this uh, red flag. Unreasonably large discounts to a third party uh, distributor or vendor. Third-party consulting agreements that include only vaguely described services. I'm not mentioning about you know, certain financial or uh, legal consulting services which are actually uh, certain as a service level, but I'm mentioning about consulting agreements that include vaguely described services. When the third-party consultant is a different line of business than which it has been engaged. Uh, you are working with a third-party consultant, but he or she is operating in a different area than your scope of work in the company. Uh, when the third party is related to or closely associated with a foreign official, this is a really huge red flag <laughs> because it can be deemed as a facilitator in some governmental relationship. When the third party is just a, a shell company incorporated in an offshore jurisdiction, you know, and when the third party requests payment to an offshore bank account or when the third party is asking uh, large amounts of advance payments before actually giving this related service. These are actually uh, red flags. And uh, in especially the investigations run by uh, Department of Justice and SEC in the United States, and we are seeing that, uh, like I can give just an example from uh, an FCPA guideline, a defendant gave a government official a country club membership fee and the generator as well as household maintenance expenses, payment of cell phone bills, an automobile worth of um, thousands of dollars and limousine services. And it turned out that these uh, unethical benefits are received through a third party agent on behalf of the company. So we are seeing uh, this kind of cases when uh, third parties are used more and more, like there was a famous case, maybe you remember, about GSK from United Kingdom. And uh, in China, turned out that GSK, uh, it was an allegation, uh, GSK was alleged to bribe the uh, government officials and special healthcare uh, professionals through third-party agents, which actually seemed like providing some scientific events on behalf of the company, but it turned out that it was only a shell transaction And these agents were actually not providing any events or scientific education services but only bribing healthcare professions or government officials. So in this case, third parties used again. If we want to keep the controls high, we we cannot ignore third parties. And I always give this example. So say you will work in a C-level in a very big corporation like for Amazon, for Coca-Cola. How much do you think the interview process would last longer? From my experience, if you want to work in a C-level, in a high position to a company, uh, you should at least uh, run into so many questionnaires, employee tests, and so many interviews, like eight, ten interviews to enter into this position. Because the company wants to make sure that they are employing the best talents and the right fit people for the job. And we should have the same approach when we are working with third parties. We should actually treat them like they are the key employees of our company. We cannot just say that, oh, okay, they are very successful and I just want to use them to increase sales or promotion. And you cannot keep away from regulatory controls saying that I didn't know that they were dealing with unethical practices. So that's why it's really important and the tone from the top should be there and high level executives of the company needs to think about it and needs to implement some controls and uh, needs to deliver their controlling uh, powers to uh, certain departments like procurement departments. Mm-hmm. We always discuss it with you. So if you want to have effective compliance program, you need to have ownership of everyone in the company, especially the higher management. So compliance should be owned by procurement department or the decision makers in the companies who are working with third parties. And the awareness is the key here. Mm -hmm. Um, Then if we move on working with departments who are working with third parties, you know, try to get a photograph of uh, what's the situation like, You know, who are third parties? Why are we using them? Do we need them? Do we have contracts in place? Do we have the correct compensation amount according to the service or product delivered? Did we make any due diligence with this third party? Do do we know who are we dealing with? Not only the title of the company, but also shareholders or board members of the company. Do we have risk heat maps there? Do we have tailor-made compliance program? Uh, Did we ever pointed out red flags with these third parties? Did we have any bad experience with third parties? Or do we know any news from the press or from the sectors that we are dealing with, uh, whether the track record of this company is reputable? And most importantly, this is where we came uh, and also advised to uh, our clients from a contracts law point that do we have the right contracts in place? It's not only the standards, terms, and conditions, if we are talking about compliance risks, we should also have right to audit clauses to third parties, along with all the boilerplate uh, clauses in the contract. And not only that, do we exercise our right to audit clauses? Did we ever came to our uh, you know, top-selling distributor and did we ever audited them according to the compliance risks? It's really important, you know, Contract is important, but enforcement is uh, more important than the contract. So, are we following up the new regulations? Did we ever terminate a contractual uh, transaction with a third party for compliance risks? This is a life cycle management of a third party risk management for compliance program. And uh, it's really a project management, uh, but it's not only the job of the compliance officer who has a little budget and sitting along fighting for uh, managing all the risk within the company. But outsource legal and financial service should be there because the legal consequences are so high and the upper management tone and support should also be there to meet with these risks. Otherwise, we will always read ethical scandals deriving from uh, third-party actions. So that's how third-party risk management is important for compliance programs.
0: Excellent. It sounds like there's a a, a lot to consider when it comes to third parties. And you should always seek professional help. You know, if you're building a a compliance program for your business or or you're updating it, Mm -hmm. um, getting expert help on this uh, seems to be very important for your company's reputation, and, and and just to, for, for, for compliance in general.
1: Yep. And last Last point, you know, it's really important to have controls in place, but it's really important to work with consultants who knows the business and who knows how to communicate with third parties. Because in countries like Turkey, say that we are working with a vendor for 15 years and we are just starting to implement a compliance program. The owner of the company, mostly we are talking about family companies here, they will start to get offended because, you know, for 15 years there wasn't a control in place and there was no uh, scandal happened or unethical practice happened. And, you know, uh, in my experience, I also experienced that as an in-house counsel. Sometimes uh, they don't want to cooperate with you, the third parties, you know. They say that they are only bound with local requirements and they are a legitimate company and they take it as a, assault to their day-to-day business. You know, they get offended easily. So, the way you communicate mm-hmm. the importance of third-party risk management is really crucial here. You know, you can even lose the best third parties you are working with if you are not able to communicate why this is needed. So, I always approach the third parties in a constructive way. You know, because we are not only legal consultants here, but we want to also pursue the benefits of our clients you know we don't want to put the danger of the transaction uh, working with third parties but we should give hard and important decisions when we want to but the way you communicate this need to third parties is really important you can position this as a benefit to the third parties as well so i think we covered so many areas here and in in the future we can also describe in detail of all the aspects that we mentioned and lastly, we don't even mention about the fourth parties. <laughs> yeah, it's the fourth su- parties. Fourth parties. Oh, no. uh, yeah. Uh, what about second parties?
0: No. Second. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah,
0: yeah um, it really is a, a big area yep. to cover and you, you can't really do it justice in a, in a short podcast. Yeah. Um, you can see more insights uh, on our website, chetinkea.com. Altug is, is writing many articles currently and uh, lots more in the pipeline. Please check if you're not sure and you can always get in touch with us.
1: Yep. Thanks very much for your time today. I'll talk- Thank you for listening, Kevin. And I'm always happy to talk about compliance with you. Thank I you. Know, I know you are. Thank <laughs> you. Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: If you have any feedback on this podcast or would like to recommend other topics for us to discuss, you can contact us at info at Also, for more information on what we do and our other insights, please visit our webpage, chatinkeo.com.